I'm your producer, Todd Bartu, and this is Offshore Explorer. Offshore Explorer looks at the world from the sailor's point of view, port by port. Together, we share stories that detail the important intersections between sailing, culture, and life, past, present, and future. Coming up on today's episode, a small Italian coastal town that has been the home to writers and poets for centuries, the town of Larici, Italy. But first, let me introduce our host, a lifelong sailor who has traveled the world, raced international 14s and cross-Atlantic countless times, a published author who has written for both stage and screen, Mr. Scott Dodson. Hey, Todd, how are we today? Oh, we're doing great. I just wanted to mention that we're on a couple of new platforms over the last couple of weeks, uh, in case you've noticed. We've gotten a bunch of people coming in from Pandora and from iHeartRadio app. And we're also on Amazon Music, so welcome to all of our listeners there. Welcome. Yeah, and and I and I want to say thank you to, and I think we can safely say this. I want to say thank you to all the people around the world. On my Facebook page, I posted a picture of all the places that people are listening to Offshore Explorer um, around the world, and it is unbelievable and i am so humbled and so grateful for the listenership from i mean from china to australia all over europe africa we're huge in in south america um very 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 uh, happy about it and very grateful and i want to thank everybody for that yeah yeah we got everybody uh all the continents except for antarctica <laughs> right <laughs> So, what do we have planned for uh, today's episode? Well, today's episode is um, um, the Golf of Poets. Um, it's about uh, La Ricci, Italy, which is um, uh, just down the way from La Spezia and around the corner, so to speak, from uh, the Cinque Terre, which is actually internationally famous. And um, we're going to mix a little poetry. Percy Shelley, and boats, and sail plans, um, eating Italian. And I might say that the, the show is a l- little more designed around what we do for uh, our television show, Offshore Explorer with Scott Dawson, which hopefully will be on later next year uh, for we are allowed to leave our houses. Um, but, uh, the design of the show, it, it includes some interesting stories and, uh, interesting experiences and a very tiny, very authentic, uh, Italian seaside town. Okay, great. Take it away, Scott. Today, I want to talk about a small town in Italy at the very bottom of the bay of La Spezia. La Spezia is a moderately large uh, town where the uh, Italian Navy is actually based. Um, it's a lovely, lovely town, little, a little gritty, a little um, uh, old. Uh, it's got a beautiful university there, um, lots of history. But I lived in a little town called Lerici. Lerici is famous as being the home uh, for Percy Shelley, 
uh, Byron, Mary Shelley, the romantic poets of 1800, 1820, 1830, 1900s. Um, they escaped in a certain way, they would say, they escaped the, the political and social damage that was going on in England, um, essentially to found a whole new way of looking at poetry, spirituality, and it proved to be, oh, what, this is 150 years later, to be really a fundamental movement and a fundamental way of changing our perception. Now, I focus on Percy Shelley um, because he was a sailor. And he was a sailor that got caught up in doing something that I think a lot of us think about. Some of us have tried to do it, and some of us find out that it's not really worth doing. And that is to build a sail on your boat that's either too large or too heavy for your rig. This is a pretty important thing because sailing back in the day during Percy's time, he had a boat actually built in uh, Genoa and um, he kept it down in Larici and it's there's a couple little small towns that are all connected to the town of Larici and you can literally walk between the towns I mean it's they're less than a mile but they're small towns and there's a little cove on the other side of the castle where he kept his boat and um, the mast was wood the boat was wood of course and the sails in this case, were made of cotton. He had the sails um, made for him, and he put an oversized sail, and he put a sail on that was too heavy. And I relate this to my own experience when I was um, redoing the sails of my boat. Um, I went to North Sails, and I mean, there's other sailmakers, but this North Sails, I had a lot of confidence, and, and I was in the Caribbean. I was in St. Martin, actually. And um, I went in and said, look, I really would love to have a, um, a new mainsail. And they looked up in their library on the computer of all the sails that could be for my boat. In fact, they had specific uh, Robert Perry uh, recommended sales for my boat. And I thought, oh, this is great. This is exactly what I need. But then I sort of started to overthink myself. And um, thanks to uh, the guys at North Sail, they said, you know what? You got a wood mast. Um, you probably shouldn't go with a heavier cloth. And I kind of didn't listen to them in the beginning. And I really, I ordered a, um, I forget how many ounce, but it was like a half an ounce more than I would, was recommended. Um, 
they delayed in actually making that sale, and I was really happy that they did. I had to put a deposit down for them to make the sale for me. And I just, um, you know, I was very insistent that I wanted something sturdier, something stronger, because I had done so much sailing. And it was in the Caribbean and the Mediterranean and all the transatlantics that I was doing. I was really wearing out the lighter weight sails. But, and I thought, okay, you know, I had it stuck in my mind. If I had a heavier weight sail, I would, I would be able to let the sail last a little bit longer and, and, you know, less wear and tear, better UV protection. I mean, I went through every kind of rationalization to have a heavier, thicker sail. And I have a feeling that Percy Shelley kind of went through the same thing. Um, he's very famous, obviously, for his poetry and um, his lifestyle. Um, he believed in spirituality. Um, he believed in defending the human spirit rather than the religious human spirit. And this movement, I mean, his wife, Mary Shelley, she wrote Frankenstein. Go figure. What an interesting couple. And their best friend, Lord Byron, of course, is very, very famous for, you know, attaching himself to every military cause that there was and writing brilliant poetry. And uh, his wife uh, also was a great writer. Um, and so this group, which is a, a group that's very rare in literature, um, free, comes up every hundred or so years in which you have a really brilliant group of people that can write and have a tremendous vision of the world. Lorici is a place that this was quite common for writers, musicians, filmmakers, and it still is today. Um, I, I lived in Lerici for two years um, while I was building a boat in the San Lorenzo yard, which is only about a 20-minute drive away from Lerici. And I would go for what I call the triangle, you know, La Spezia to uh, Laverno and, and down to Ventimiglia. And in Ventimiglia, which is the southern part of the, they call the Gulf of Poets, uh, that's where they build a lot of Italian-style boats. Um, San Lorenzo is down there now. Uh, Falcon, which is a beautiful power boat. Um, as well as a number of others. Perini Navi has been down there for years. Um, and it's a real center for shipbuilding. Um, and if you ever have a ch if you love shipbuilding and you love modern yachts and powerboat, I mean, I love everything. I don't, I don't go by the, oh, he's a powerboat or, you know, stink potter. I don't go by any of that bullshit. I mean, if you think that way, you're missing out on a lot of stuff. But down in Ventimiglia is just absolutely wonderful. You can go down there and wander around and, and watch mega yachts. You can see the mega yachts being built. Um, and they get some great food, great restaurants. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, the chandleries and, you know, the, the 
artisans that are down there that build these boats are just second to none. They're the best in the world and very Italian and very exciting to, to watch. And you can wander around, you know, the shipyard, the dockyard and all the rest. It's, it's not, um, it's very Italian. It's like, yeah, Hey, how you doing? We're building a boat here, whatever. Um, so that's sort of like the bottom part. So that was a part of my life down there. Laverna was a place where Percy Shelley had sailed down to from Larici, and they had um, they were going. He met Lord Byron. He was Lord Byron at that point, and they were going to to have a new book um, and a new journal and um, on Romanticism. Now I know a lot of you guys are sitting there going, "What the hell is this guy talking about Romanticism?" Well, if you dream of being on a boat, if you dream of sailing on a boat, if you dream of cruising around the world, you are a romantic. Until 1800s, 1790 to 1800s, the age of sail, the idea of going around the world, romanticism didn't exist. You didn't dream about going to some foreign land. You, you dreamt about what your next meal was. You dreamt about how to stay out of jail, how to stay out of debtor's prison. Life was ugly. Life was fascist. It was ugly place. Romanticism touched people's spirits, so it gave them hope. So if you poo-poo the idea of romanticism, you're actually poo-pooing your own dreams. And this falls into what one of the most famous poems that Percy Shelley had written. Ozymandias. I met a traveler from an antique land who said two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command Tell that it's the sculptor, well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear, My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. Nothing beside remains, round and decay, of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. And what this poem is about is about fallen empires and fallen leaders who thought themselves above all of us. And this was the beginning of, this, this poem was so well received um, it made him um, a huge star. And in fact, the Italians sort of referred to him as a rock star, because, and Byron as well, because they talk about Shelley in the same way, and Byron, both of them, they talk about them as rock stars. I mean, you know, the good die young. And that's what happened when Shelley, taking his boat, which was oversailed 
and coming up from Laverno in a storm and sinking. His body washed up um, on the beach. And I'll tell you something about that beach. Um, approximately, he was his body washed up like 10 days after he went missing. His body washed up on a beach between Laverno and Ricci. And the, the beach there is, is sort of interesting in the sense that it's a really long, sandy, white beach. Um, and the white isn't what you think it is. It's actually marble, pieces, chips of marble that have come down from the mountains. And in fact, if you stand there and you look up at the mountains, this happened to me. I look up at the mountains and I see like, wow, these must be really tall mountains because they're white. They look like they have snow on them. And I looked at them and I was like really puzzled by it. But then I figured out exactly what it was. They have been harvesting marble up in these mountains for so many thousands of years that all the chips that were left has created this image in your on the mountain of snow, of whiteness. Because the mountains aren't very high at all. So this beach is full of marble, chips of marble. And in fact, there's this little sort of dock where um, a, what I would call an, an island-type um, transportation open um, uh, carrier comes in and they load on this thing. They have a big crane. They load marble on it. And this ship, this little tiny ship, has all this marble on it and it takes marble wherever they want to sell it and you can go into the little store there's a little store right there and they have all these little things that are carved in marble if you wanted to buy it in the united states it'd probably cost you you know ridiculous amounts of money to have like a bowl of hand carved marble but in this little store it's just like this is what the guys do in their spare time you know, they make little crosses, they make little bowls, they make all kinds of little, um, you know, Jesus Christ, um, you know, all of, all of these things, they, they just, they carve them out. And they're beautiful and they're very inexpensive because nobody ever goes there. It's just like a local town kind of thing. So anyway, Percy Shelley died, drowned, because his boat and his wife actually writes about it saying that she was very concerned because he, he had too much sail on his boat. And the sail was too heavy. Which gets me back to what I wanted to do on my boat. And I was eventually convinced by the guys over at North Sail in St. Martin that, look, just do this. You don't need to put a heavy thing in it because it's going to get, when it gets wet, um, you know, strong winds it's just too much weight so i opted to listen to them which i go back and think is one of the best things that i ever did and i i did have them build a heavier storm sail which i could use i i did have them build heavier storm sail which you know obviously i i would i would need that 
Um, but for the most part, I went with what the recommended weight for the sale was. And I love those guys. I'm going to eventually do a piece on the guys at North Sale. And, um, you know, we they talk about all the racing sales and all the rest of that kind of jazz and, you know, the history of, of the rigging and everything like that. But, um, you know, because there's a lot of advances in sales and a lot of different kinds of laminates and, you know, different fibers that uh, make the sale great. But, um, you know, sailing and sales have always been either cotton or flax and um, they don't last a long time and they rot um, and they rip and they do a lot of other things but that's what people used for thousands of years so if you've never seen that and and I should say duck they call it duck cloth which you which is used quite a bit on boats if you have a bag sometimes they make bags out of duck cloth or they'll make a jacket out of duck cloth today. I actually have a jacket um, that is made of duck cloth. And it's an old-fashioned sort of cotton, heavy cotton thing. It comes from um, a Dutch word of dook, which is sail. And it, the English sort of turned it into duck. And now it's, you know, it's called duck cloth. Um, just little trivia kind of idea there. The whole idea of, of sailing, and especially in this, this area of La Spezia, is up and down the coast of La Spezia is from Ventimiglia to Liverno. And Liverno is, by the way, a place you could stop with your boat. Um, they have an, it's an okay little marina. Ventimiglia's got a big marina. Larici is not a place. You can anchor outside the the quay there but for the most part it's just local power boats little local fishermen people like to run over to um, uh, Porta Venera which is on the tip okay of where you begin to see the Cinque Terre everybody knows the Cinque Terre it's been talked about and written about it's fantastic you know all the five little towns that hang on the cliffs and all of that and Porto Venera is the tip of, of that peninsula. And that peninsula is a part of, on, on the east side, is part of La Spezia. And on the west side, it's, it's the Mediterranean. So those little areas, there's a ferry that leaves from La Ricci that goes there um, to just Porto Venera. And then there's a ferry that goes around to the Cinque Terre. So you get a lot of tourists doing this, but... They don't stop in, in Lerici. And, you know, there's some tourists there, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, it's kind of a forgotten tourist town. Now, I had actually sailed into La Spezia many years before. And I went into um, up into La Spezia. There's a marina that's up near the city. I mean, Lerici is only like four kilometers south of it but there's a there's a nice little marina up there um i went i went in there just um out of curiosity and i'm, I'm going to talk about 
this um, trip I did um, one summer. Um, I had sailed over and I had gotten a, a one charter that um, the charter was to sail all the way around Italy the whole for the whole summer. That was what my job, that's what I was going to do. So I had one family and we would sail all the way around. We started in, in actually in Monaco and we picked up the family they were from. Um, in somewhere in northern Italy, and um, they were very wealthy. And the grandmother, um, she was sort of in charge of the whole thing, and they loved the boats. And so the idea was to sail slowly all the way around Italy and stop um, and see everything, see their country from the sea. So literally I spent the entire summer sailing all the way around Italy, all the way around Sicily, all the way up the east coast of Italy, all the way up into the, the Dalmatians. And that's where I let them, they get off the boat. Um, they were often on the boat all throughout the period. I mean, we stayed in, we stayed in Ventimiglia for like two weeks. We stayed in Rome. Um, we were in Rome for, um, like two weeks, 10 days. Um, and we just, we kept going. We went to uh, Sardinia where we spent a great deal of time in Sardinia. Um, they went with me on the crossing over to Sardinia. Uh, weren't very happy because we had very kind of hard weather. Um, but once we got to Sardinia, they kind of dug it, but they actually flew back to Italy. And then I picked them up in Sicily. So I had the opportunity for one summer to literally sail around all of Italy. And La Spezia was a town that they really wanted to go to. Um, very interesting town, um, industrial to a certain extent, beautiful university, as I said before. But they were really obsessed with La Ricci. La Ricci is a town that a lot of very wealthy Italians uh, from northern Italy will go to in the summer and they will rent places there. It's also a place where you find quite a few um, artists, musicians, and etc. And it's just it's just quintessential Italian and and it's very very beautiful. So I first got there um, I got there the second time to go build a boat in San Lorenzo. I had been driving back and forth from Antibes to San Lorenzo. It's like a four-hour drive. And I would come to the shipyard, and I would be there for a few hours, and have to turn around and come back, or I'd stay in a hotel, you know, spend two, three days in the shipyard. And I was supervising the build of this one boat, which was a 120-foot power boat, San Lorenzo. And then I, they wanted to build another boat. So we were building two boats at the same time. And there was a lot of work to be done when you're, the, when you're representing the owner of the boat as a surveyor. You have to watch every detail. And I, I've talked about building boats like that before. And it's, it's complex. Um, it's interesting. And um, you bang your head against a lot of walls. Then. But when I finally went into... Ricci, because I didn't see it really as a town from 
I mean, there's a lot of towns like it. I didn't see anything special about it, but I did know that it was a place where Byron and Shelley, and I know about the golf of poets and being a literature major and really interested in, you know, writing and all the rest of that stuff. I decided, okay, this is a place that I'm going to live in this town because it's only, there's no other 20 minutes to get to the shipyard. And I'm going to, you know, really suck up the, the atmosphere. So I drove into town and coming into town is you come down this, you know, long winding road. There's a couple of buses and stuff where, where they let the tourists off in this little parking lot. And then a tourist walk down, they get on the ferry and they take them over to the Cinque Terre. And they're like not even there like in Las Betsy or in uh, La Ricci for only a few minutes. And it's like, yeah, hi, bye. And, you know, it's the old tourist kind of thing. But parking is very difficult down there. And just not not anyone can park down there. You have to have a special sticker and you have to be, you know, you have to live in La Ricci and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I went down and I went to a realtor and I eventually found a uh, there were two places for rent and I found a two bedroom apartment. And this two bedroom apartment is up on the side of the hill. Now, the thing that a lot of people don't realize about Larici when they're walking around, Larici is you're either up or you're down. It's up the side of a hill. It's not as extreme or extreme looking as you would see on the Cinque Terre, but it's severely uphill. And there's this gigantic castle that is also there. And it was built in like 1152 and is maybe one of the ugliest castles that ever existed. Um, but it's been there a long time. And, and having, having been in the castle and having walked around it, it's a pretty imposing place. I mean, there's, I don't see how anybody could conquer this place unless you bombed it from the air. And even then, I think you would be, you know, wouldn't have any great results. So I was very excited to kind of get into the town. And I know we talk about sailing a lot, and we talk, you know, which is part of our thing. But one of the things about this is that the concept of romanticism um is is so tied up in the idea of sailing boats i mean if you're just a technical guy and you go sailboats and you know every single technical thing and this is that there's got to be a point in which your heart kind of opens up to the romanticism of of sailing um because that's that's a great part of the heritage so I found this really lovely apartment. It was it was on the fifth floor. There were six floors to the building. Um, you had to walk up um, marble stairs that were all sort of indented and worn from people shuffling their feet for hundreds of years up these stairs. But from my uh, apartment, I had this view uh, off the balcony of the whole city town of Larechi, which was down below me. I had the whole Bay of La Spezia, and I could see all the way out to Porta Venera. 
It was one of the most fantastic views you could ever imagine. And that was like on one side of the house. On the other side where the kitchen was, there was another thing, and it was the path that led down to the town. And so this was my, my main thing, which is I would walk downhill in the morning, and um, I would buy a newspaper um, at the kiosk, the local kiosk. And it was so lovely because, you know, when you travel and you live places and if, if you have an open mind and an open heart, you could meet like so many cool people and learn so many cool things. So while I'm building this boat and getting to know the people that are building a boat and learning a tremendous amount about, you know, how to lay fiberglass, how the molds work, um, you know, different, how they put the engines in, how they line up props, you know, and literally watching people that do this for a living and all the time, rather than like most of us, we buy a boat that's already built, off we go, Right. Um, now this is it's a lot of fun it's a really interesting learning experience and it's one thing to understand it intellectually it's another thing to actually physically watch somebody um, you know line it up and and put it up and have it come out uh, perfectly so that that part of the learning was going on but the part of learning about being a sailor and seeing the world from a mariner's eyes is when you go to visit people and you do like normal things, like go and get the newspaper, the guy in the kiosk insisted that he was going to teach me how to count in Italian. And so we would have these little counting lessons in Italian. And, and then I would take the paper and he would give me back the change. He said, how much is it? He could speak a little English. He said, how much is it? And then we'd have to go back and, you know, and we would go back and forth, and we would, I was learning a little bit of Italian here, a little bit of Italian there. But this was an everyday thing, and it was very pleasant. It was very, very nice. I mean, I, I worked on my Italian a little bit. I, I kind of got it into a good space, and, you know, that I could, first of all, ask for things. Second of all, I could count. Um, third of all, I could understand uh, a small brief conversation a broken conversation but not very much in depth so there was another little store that i used to go into which was the wine store now i love going into these little wine stores because i had actually thought when i was in this little wine store of, of setting up a business of uh, exporting uh, famous wines that were not exported because you know most wine that is that is made often like in Italy or in France in particular these wines are never exported they're usually small batch wines made by local farmers and vineyards from vineyards that are you know right next to some big vineyards they don't have a lot of the chemicals in it's just good old-fashioned beautiful winemaking and these wines um, are really, really, really delicious. And oftentimes they're very inexpensive. So, you know, I love red wine. I'm sure a lot of the guys out there have a glass as they're listening to this or will have a glass. And 
you know, so I'm in this little shop and he, the, the owner of the shop is showing me, okay, here's, this comes from this place and this comes from this place. He's got a little map and he's showing it and they're very, you know, very sort of parochial in, in the idea. This is, this, I know this guy, you know, I know this guy over here, you know, his son goes to school. So it, with my son and he, he makes this, he only makes about, you know, 1,500, 2,000 cases, um, which is a small amount of wine you know, a year. And, uh, but this is really his best wine. And this is really something you should have. And I used a lot of these wines because the owner of the boats that um, I was building, he had, he was actually a partner in a vineyard in France, but he and his wife both loved Italian wines. So I was buying kind of cases, sample cases of wine for the boat. And I was sampling them, you know, daily um so i would stand there and and he would show me different ones and sip different ones i'd buy a couple of bottles of this i'd buy a couple of bottles of that and it was just he would tell me the history behind this particular wine and in the meantime while he's telling me about these wines he also would drop in these little things about oh yeah you know well lord lord byron byron used to come by here you know back in the day this wasn't a wine shop it was a candle shop and and byron used to buy candles in this very shop and i'm thinking to myself a lot of people will go on these on these journeys to discover a writer an author or a painter and go to all the places that he lived you know knock on the window and say hey did byron leave anything did shelley leave anything here and and you would never find this information out that this was a candle shop where Byron bought his candles. And I just was just kind of like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So we're having a glass of wine because you always you walk in, you you know, he's got wine. You ha- he opens a bottle. Um, there's a little bit of cheese, some bread. You drink and and you talk to him, and he's he's wonderful. But one of the things he told me about, which I found and stayed with me for a long time, is the bell tower. In Italy, bell towers are very, very important, as they are in Portugal, in Spain. Um, Very important in France, not quite as important as they are in, um, in Italy. Because the town pride is tied up in the bell tower. And when the bell tower rings, it is a reminder, poetically, it is a reminder of all those people that have passed and all the glories of weddings and all the glories of births and everyone in the town that goes to that church or listens to the bell tower as it goes across. And you can really hear it, it goes across everywhere. There is a reminder when that bell tolls of your connection to the town, to the people, and to the most important events in life. And this is a very poetic concept. We don't have bell towers here. But the tower also functions in another way. And it functions for sailors. Because the tower is so tall, okay, a lot of early navigation was done from the tower. In fact, you could see 
the tower with binoculars and on a clear day, you could see from uh, Porto Venera, which is across the bay, okay, to Lerici, and you could see the, the tower there. And you could use that tower as a landmark from wherever you're coming in. If you're coming up the coast from Ventimiglia and Laverno, you won't see it until you round the bend, but you'll know what you'll know that's the town. Now, I know a lot of you guys uh, hit sailing out there, you get yourself a couple of miles off the coast, and the coast all looks about the same. I know from my friends here in Southern California, um, I usually say that the whole coast of Southern, especially Southern California, the whole coast basically looks like the Italian coast. It's got the, it's the same color. It's the same rise of the hill. Um, it's got cliffs. Um, it's very impenetrable um, where you put your boat. Um, there's large, long areas of, of just surf. Um, not good. Um, but we'll get into L.A. And, and all of that. There's some really interesting things about that. But anyway, this... Larici was, uh, uh, you know, famous for Percy, famous for Byron, famous for the family and the romanticism, famous for other um, wonderful people that that had been there. And they, it was in 1822 that uh, Percy Shelley drowned and died. So I was standing in this one shop and talking about the bell tower, the belfry. The uh, and getting the whole history and why it's so important and it's important in every Italian town. Um, it's it's important um, because it's an effort to show that the town is um, got money. It is worthwhile, um, and it's actually used as sort of a marketing device. Even though it's you know it's usually connected to the Catholic Church. And, um, but it's the town elders put a lot of money into building this tower because it just, it makes, it makes the town better. And it's poetically a reminder, as I said, um, to all the important events that there are in life. And I repeat myself in that because I want you to really think about it, that it's something that we don't have in the United States very much, maybe in some small towns, but you don't really hear the the bell tolling very much at least i don't and i kind of uh, i miss that uh, that purpose and and what that community that it creates Shelley's boat uh, was called the Don Juan, and it was built up in Genoa. And um, he would sail out to Porto Venera, and um, he would turn back, and then he would race the other Italian feluccas back to Larici. And the last port he was in was Laverno, um, and he was setting course up for uh, San Terenzio, which is a little tiny town next to Larici. You wouldn't even know you were in San Terenzio unless you saw the sign. Um, and that was the last time he was he was seen in, in July of 1822. 
um, that part of the world you can get some serious weather and it comes up fast and it comes up hard and um, it just slams up against the coast of Italy. Um, it's often called a Scirocco that comes up and it can be very, very ugly. I've actually used the Scirocco to sail on the coast of um, North Africa very simply and um, it, just the nice broad reach with a Scirocco of about 35, 40 knots you know, and uh, very little waves, sort of flat seas, and just boogie along. It's some of the greatest sailing I've ever done in that regard. But in any case, the the little town of Lodici was my little town. So I I was very excited almost every day to walk down the long, steep path of stairs down into town and start walking around. You know, that's where I bought my newspaper. I had a relationship with the wine guy, and I was busy. I would walk up and down the piazza and, you know, look, stop in and look at some of the local stores. Um, you know, I'm not a big uh, shopper, per se, but I did discover this one little restaurant, which is actually a five-star restaurant, um, called uh, Idora. And Idora is... Um, is owned by this girl. Her father owns another restaurant. It's a restaurant in the family. And the food there is just ridiculously good. And I learned for the first time in my life how Italian meals work. In America, when you order a meal, you expect to get your, let's say you order a roasted chicken so you're going to get part of a chicken you're going to get sides you're going to get some maybe french fries or potatoes and there's going to be green beans or whatever the case so your whole meal comes all in one plate in italy you have to order plates one at a time and then you eat the plates when they all arrive at your at your table i didn't know this so the first time i was there i ordered I forget what it was, some seafood. And that's all that came on the plate was just the, the seafood. I think it was shrimp. Or no, it was langouste. And so there's just langouste on the plate. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I'd like some French fries to go with this. or I'd, And what else do you have to go with it? So it took me about 20 minutes to realize that I had to order all the plates. And then they all come and they would all sit on the table. And then we could all... We could eat off of the plates. So if you ever go to Italy and you say, oh, yeah, I want uh, this. I want a bowl of spaghetti and meatballs. Um, and you get just a bowl of spaghetti and meatballs and there's no salad. You'll probably get bread, but you have to probably order bread. And um, you'll just be aware that, that you have to um, pick up both. Now, the nice thing about Italy and especially La Ricci is, is that it's very small. You can get around the town virtually just by walking. And when I was walking along, I was down there in the evening because it's very beautiful and a lot of people like to walk up and down the promenade and, you know, in the evening. And there's a couple of bars there. You could sit at tables. You could have some wine. Um, do yourself a favor and really look up uh, La Ricci and, and La Spezia. 
it's definitely worth putting on your bucket list. I mean, if you're going to go see Cinque Terre, okay, great. That's great. But really, this is like really get into what I love is being a part of a community or learning to be a part of a community, what the community is about. So within a few months, I'd already known about the bell tower. I had already known that that the wine shop used to be where they made candles and Byron used to buy his candles, which was a nice little tidbit for me. I had learned about the sale being over, oversailed, um, and I was building a yacht um, in a yard with really professional people. And I got to say, this is one of the most exciting really was one of the most exciting times of my life, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself from day to day. But what really made my my day was, I love a good bar, all right? I just love a good bar. And, you know, I love you can go and sit on a stool, have, you know, conversation, have a drink, relax. You know, the music's not too loud. People can converse, can go on this, that. Well, I found one, and this bar was really more unique than I thought I would ever find. You know, La Spezia, the bigger town above La Ricci, is where the Navy base is, and there's a lot of shipping that goes in and out of that. I mean, historically, it's a kind of an interesting place because it used to be um, during, um, after World War II, in, and actually before World War II, um, a lot of um, refugees, Jewish refugees, um, would go to La Spezia and they would get on ships. Three ships took thousands of uh, uh, refugee, Jewish refugees from Italy um, and took them to Israel. And La Spezia is very famous as being the, the, the departure point for that. And it's, there's a lot of, there's a couple of towns, La Spezia is a name that, that, that reverberates in Israel. And it's a very interesting concept because these people were literally running for their lives. Italy had become incredibly fascist, and the racism that goes with fascism, um, caught, you know, at that point, it was the Jews that were the object of that. And um, La Spezia was a place where people could, you know, find a boat to Israel and get out. And it's a really important place in that regard. So that's just like this little kind of interesting tidbit of, of history and is a lot of shipping there. So I found this little bar, Il Boro, and I go in and it's just one of those long sort of cave type bars guys know exactly what I'm talking about. It's got a little open in the front, but really the bar itself is down this dark, is down a dark, long cave, so to, so to speak. Well, it turns out that it's great. It's a great atmosphere. All stone inside, just, just great. You got a TV in there, and they play, of course, football on the TV, and there's motorsports, and, you know, in, in Italy, it's like, soccer americans but football first auto racing second and i mean formula one auto racing motorcycle racing after that and then anything else kind of falls into that 
and Italian TV, I can, Italian TV is the most bizarre, you know, TV anywhere in the world. And it's hilarious. Even when it's trying to be serious, it's hilarious. So in this bar, um, the girl I'm talking to, she's English. And I, oh, oh, great, great. Somebody who speaks English, I can talk to her and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting in there having a drink. And finally, I get the whole history. And I'm looking around. I'm seeing all these guys in there. And they don't look Italian. They look foreign. And I suddenly realized. And then there's some Italian guys come in. And I kind of seen these Italian guys come in. And I asked the girl about the bar. I said, what's, you know, what's the history of this place? This is really amazing. What's the history of this place? And it turns out her father was a merchant marine. And they used to come to La Spezia. And they would offload the ships and they would get time off. Um, because La Spezia also um, um, exported um, marble and a lot of grain and feed, um, a lot of crafts and wood, uh, you know, logs, etc. And so there was a lot of loading ships by hand, longshoremen work. And these guys would get time off. So this guy created, opened up this bar in La Ricci, and he would serve us the guys that were merchant marines. And so we, the merchant sailors are, you know, a great group of interesting people, by the way. And so his daughter took over the place after he passed away. And he had actually opened it up just after World War II. And I guess the stories there were pretty crazy. And, um, but in any case, it, it's well known. A lot of people come, um, you know, from the ships um, it's gotten a little bit more clientele, local or tourists and people like myself who, who are living in the city, in the town for a couple of years or a couple of months. Um, you know, you're a part of the town when you live through the winter in a town, that's a tourist town. That's when you really learn what the town is all about. You kind of actually see the real fibers and the connectedness to the town and what's important, what's not important, what's tourist, what's regular. And that's when you see that sort of thing. And that's when you really learn all the good stuff. So I was in this thing and they were telling me about where they used to build boats up on the beach. Um, they talked about the fishing. They talked about, you know, um, it's not the same as it used to be. Everything's containerized. There's not much work for longshoremen. They do do work for the the Italian Navy because La Spezia is a lot of Italian Navy. And there's an American um, naval base there too. It's a, actually a submarine base. And um, very quiet, very subdued, very like, oh yeah, whatever. Don't see it. Doesn't exist. Secret, but not so secret. And so I discovered this great little bar. And the nice thing, I guess it is one way. The nice thing is, is that I used to have, I used to go down there, I'd have a couple of drinks. And um, then I'd have to walk back up the hill, up the steps. There were 458 steps. And that was just to the front door. And then I had to walk up five, five flights of stairs to get to my apartment. And once I got into the apartment, it was like, 
I need another drink because it was just like, it was, it was, it was exhausting. And, and so, and I had a beautiful apartment. It was just, you know, it was a two bedroom, a huge living room. And, and, and it was just a magnificent views all around. And I was very, very happy. So one, one day in my apartment, I had come back from the shipyard Everything was going well. We were getting ready to launch the boat. And I was actually getting ready to give up the apartment and literally move on the boat. And we were going to take the boat. Um, once we had it splashed down, ready to go, we were going to take the boat to Antibes, which isn't very far away. But that was going to be a trip. And I had to organize myself and get rid of the apartment because I wasn't going to be living in La Ricci anymore. And it, I was actually offered a job at San Lorenzo and I didn't take it. And I, it's one of the few regrets I have. I would have really enjoyed living where I was living and, and the whole experience of doing what I was doing. Um, it, was, it would have been a really kind of interesting aspect of get boating and, and learning, you know, building mega yachts. And San Lorenzo has done very well. They've gotten very, you know, bigger their building has been has improved and there's a lot of like really positive things about the 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 shipyard and um so anyway we were getting ready to go and it it was a sunday afternoon and i hear this knock on the door now no one ever knocked on the door Uh, i opened up the door i was standing there in a pair of shorts no shirt and it was very warm and i open up the door and i look and there's a priest standing in front of in front of me and there is a whole train of altar boys and and people that are behind him in the stairwell must have been about 15 people and they're all dressed in in religious order and they came in, they, they walk in the apartment and they're blessing me and, and saying prayers and all the rest of this kind of stuff. And the, the kids are all holding, you know, the supplicas. And it was just like this weirdest thing. It's like, hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. It was like round Easter is what it was. And, and so they blessed me and they blessed the house and they blessed everything that was there. And then off they went and went right down the stairs and they started, they kept walking. And they had, they go to every single apartment and house in their district, and that's what that's what they do. But that just that whole idea of of connectiveness made me feel very happy, and happy in a way that I was romantically living a kind of spiritual life that that not only was I understanding the romanticism and the technicality behind boats and boat building, I was understanding the life of a poet. I was understanding the life of, of writers and artists. I was understanding the life of the influence and the importance of the influence of people that are creative on people that are not so much creative, but the whole life is, you know, is, is 
influenced by their writing and by the way they lived. And I found that Larici was really teaching me that concept. And I'll finish one thing. Every day at four o'clock from my apartment, which by the way, the whole area up where I lived is actually a state park, what we call state park. So you can't cut stuff down. There's a lot of rules and regulations, but we all live in a sort of bird paradise, a lot of birds, lemon trees. And at four o'clock every day, the man on the apartment down below the first ground floor level would step out of his apartment, no matter what the weather was, and sing opera. And he had a beautiful, beautiful tenor voice. And I would step out onto the balcony. I couldn't see him because he would he was right below me, but I couldn't see him. And he would sing. And he'd sing all sorts of beautiful, beautiful operatic songs. And I would sit there and I would look out over the Gulf of Poets towards Puerto Venera and thank myself, thank my lucky stars that the romanticism that Shelley left and Byron left is still alive and that the spirit of humanity and the spirit of goodness is still alive in people today and his music soared and then he would stop and that would be it and the birds would sing and that is what I found in La Ricci Thank you for tuning in if you liked this episode be sure to leave us a review you can find past episodes on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Pandora iHeartRadio, Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts You can find us on Facebook and at offshoreexplorer.org. Our theme song is sung by Paulette McWilliams with additional music by Imanu Itomi and Tommy Twain. Until next time, fair winds and calm seas.